This podcast is about the one definite action that can positively change the course of your life. My name is David Lilly and I'm the host of the Felcom Podcast, a production that's all about the ingredients for a great life and the subject of finding and sustaining life happiness. Thanks for choosing to tune in and invest some of your time with me today. I'm going to start this podcast with that burning and constantly sought out question and it's one that millions of people around the world ask themselves and search for and the question is this what is the single most important and powerful action that you can take to positively change your life in order to both find and sustain your happiness now as a student of happiness for more than 30 of my 53 years that's right I'm 53 years of age and as someone who has been totally infatuated with this subject it's a question that I can answer with total confidence and conviction and I can back this suggestion up with some of the clearest and most credible happiness research and studies available. The action I'm going to recommend is underpinned by the most basic of logic but it's also backed by evidence from some of the many credible studies that have been done on the subject of human happiness over decades. Now before we get into the answer to this important question it's essential that we spend a little time explaining why some people will not take on board the revelation that I'm about to share on this podcast and will choose not to take the action that I'm going to recommend. In this new technology-driven era of ours, this world of constant distraction and multiple choices, the failure to act is likely to be because some people would prefer to spend their time scrolling through their Instagram, Facebook, TikTok and YouTube account feeds. Social media human wastage, which is the four-letter term I've given to it, is now a major problem for the world, and it's something that billions of people are investing their precious time in doing right now, right this second. It's an acute and worrying addiction, so much so some people might fairly argue that the world has two pandemics in progress just now, in January 2021. Of course, one of them is the devastating COVID-19 disease, And the other is addiction to technology. And it's an addiction that dominates people's time and contributes to the sedentary lifestyle, not moving the body, which is a known disease generator. So asking some people to pause this social media addiction, to grab a piece of paper and pen, to invest some modest time, to work through one of the most simple exercises, one that can change a life for the better, might just be too much to ask for some people. Some people would rather continue spending their time on social media. The same challenge of apathy is not exclusive to the actions needed to find and sustain happiness. The health and nutrition sectors are both confronted by a similar challenge. As an example, many people know for certain what solutions and actions are required to lose body weight. To lose weight, you need to consistently burn more calories than you consume. And to do this, you need to measure these areas each day you need to be conscious of what you are eating and you need to ensure you move your body enough to burn more calories than you consume now if you took these two actions consistently over a concerted period of time you would lose weight weight loss would be almost guaranteed likewise and sadly many alcoholics know that their drink intake is slowly killing them affecting their mood and spoiling their life They know they'd be better off without alcohol, but they can't find the mental strength 
and discipline to fight their addiction and to stop drinking. Even when someone shares a proven blueprint of exactly what you need to do to achieve a specific objective, this information and knowledge is of no use or value to you whatsoever if you are not prepared to act on it. The advice is simple. Take the information and apply it literally to your life over a concerted period and there is a very high probability, 90% plus, that you will enjoy the same outcome. This might be the weight loss, the joys of a mind and body free from alcohol, or, as is the case for today's podcast, to commence the exciting journey towards self-discovery and doing more of the things that make you happy. And so my first message to you today is that you'll need to muster is that you'll need to muster up some discipline in order to win the prize that you're looking for. And that prize is knowledge of the single most important action you can take to activate happiness in your life. Now, if you're the sort of person who cannot and will not find a few hours time to consider and act on what I'm going to share with you right now, but you'll continue to waste several hours every single day on social media, I'm sad to tell you that your prospects for happiness are probably low and you'd be best served not listening to this podcast any longer and perhaps getting back to your social media habit. But just before you switch off from me, please ask yourself this simple question. How much value does several hours of social media consumption truly deliver for you in your life each day? Is it worth so much of your time, time that you'll never ever get back? The initial exercise I'm going to ask you to consider is a maximum of an hour's duration, and I'll confidently predict this will be the most enlightening, influential, and potentially life-changing exercise you've ever taken. It will be the best possible investment of an hour or two that will play a major part in your life from this point forward. So, if you want to commence the process of discovering what underpins every person on this planet's happiness, then carry on listening intently. If, however, the law of the social media scroll or other pastimes is too great for you, then I wish you well. Okay then, if you're still listening to me, congratulations, you're about to learn something really exciting, so let's carry on. What I'm about to share may seem like a very simple concept and solution, but it's both very real and it's incredibly powerful. Your happiness is largely governed and dominated by the information that's been ingrained into your mind over your lifetime to date. Psychologists often refer to this as your learned values and beliefs, and both of these aspects are of critical importance to your happiness. So let's take a deeper look at the subject of values. Personal values are the aspects of life that are most important to us, the characteristics and the behaviours that motivate us, that guide our decisions and eventually influence our physical actions and behaviour. Here's a simple example. Maybe one value that you attach a lot of importance to is honesty. You passionately believe in being honest at all times and you think it's important to say what you really think. On the occasions that you may choose not to speak your mind when a situation warrants it, and let's be honest, this sometimes happens to us all, you probably feel disappointed in yourself for not being true to the value of personal honesty. Maybe another one of your values is the behaviour of kindness. Perhaps you're one of the first people to offer help to other people. 
You're always generous in giving advice, extending help. Your time and resources to what you class as the worthy causes brought to you by your friends, family and acquaintances. Now these are just two examples of personal values taken from literally dozens of others. Every person attaches importance to their own personal values and these are often quite different. Some people are humble, so they like humility. Where others place confidence, you might even argue arrogance, above humility. Some people are compromising, whilst other people are inflexible and uncompromising and more selfish, and they've come to value the quality of selfishness. Some people value adventure and are what I call free spirits, so they like to travel the world, perhaps in a camper van with a few possessions, whereas other people prefer the certainty of a large home or a comfortable home and the apparent security of day-to-day routine in the same place. The reasons value matter is because it's a certainty that you feel better if you're living your life in harmony with your values. If you're living out of sync with your values, you're likely to feel uncertain, insecure, depressed and unhappy. If you value and like the idea of travelling and exploring the world as an example, you'll probably feel suppressed by having to hold down a job that dictates you need to be at a desk or in the same location for eight hours every single day, five or six days a week. Someone that's an adventurer, let's say a van lifer, that person values travel and venture so much that they've made the decision to put this value first. They found a way to create a home on wheels and enough money to live out their value. As you consider this, you might conclude that an adventurer who feels trapped in a nine-to-five job is going to be unhappy and not everyone has the conviction to act on their values and desires. Everybody's different, and what makes one person happy may leave another person feeling anxious or disengaged. So defining your personal values and living by them can help you to feel more fulfilled and to make choices that make and help you find happiness, even if some of these values don't make sense to other people. So let's get into that all-important value consideration process. And this is where we're going to go through an exercise and you should pay extra special attention. If you can't listen to this podcast without distractions, I suggest you stop and come back to it when you can. So the first exercise you need to get into is the process of evaluating what's truly important to you. So at this stage, it's worth grabbing a piece of paper or pen and downloading the free template from the link in the show notes. Some of you may prefer to use an app. Google Keep is a good one for you to take notes on your, on your actual phone. Some people have other word processors on their mobile phone that allow you to type things in. So in this first step, I want you to reflect on and write down the times in your life when you've been the happiest. This is an exercise you should find relatively straightforward. There are bound to be memories that you have where you think, wow, you know, I really was at my happiest in that moment or in those moments. Now, you might think of instances from your career or your personal life where you can recall those feelings of happiness and pleasure. I want you to make a specific note or notes of what you were doing at the time when you felt happiest. What were you doing? Where were you? Were your memories of these happy times inclusive of other people, friends, family? Was it in the workplace? And who were some of those people that made you feel that way? The next step I want you to take is the time when you were most happy and proud. Again, you can use examples from your career and your personal life. 
So, again, write down these questions. It's all in the template that I'm going to send to you. What was the reason for your happiness and pride? What made you feel proud of yourself? Did other people share your pride? Was it just self-pride or were other people praiseworthy? And did that stimulate your pride? And who were these people? What other factors on reflection contributed towards your feeling of pride? Was it because you'd achieved something specific that made you feel proud? What was that specific thing that you achieved? And ask yourself what other factors contributed to your happiness. The next step is I want you to identify the times when you felt most fulfilled and satisfied. Again, it doesn't have to be purely your personal life. You can look at business. And as you consider that feeling of satisfaction and fulfillment, which of your needs or desires was fulfilled? So what part of the things that you want in your life was fulfilled when you were most satisfied? And how and why did that experience add meaning to your life? So let me give you an example. One of my values is contribution, helping people. And when I know I've helped someone, that might be that I've given them something and it's made a change to their life, that gives me a great feeling of both pride, fulfillment and satisfaction. Just the knowledge that I've done something to actually play a significant and influential part in someone's life. Have a think about whether there's anything like that example that you can give. So how and why did that experience give your life meaning? The next step that I want you to look at is determining your top values based on your experience of happiness, pride and fulfillment. So go through the exercise that we've just gone through and start to think in this way. Why is each experience truly important and memorable? Now, in the sheet that I've attached as a free download to the link in the show notes, I've listed some of the most common personal values just to help you get started. There are dozens of them. I would like to suggest that you aim for circling on that values document at least six to ten of those values that are on there. Now, I actually have 14 values, and I'm going to talk to you about what those values are in a moment, so that gives you some context to how I got to where I am today and why I feel that values are just such an important part of your life. Now, as you get that piece of paper downloaded from the link in the show notes, some people might find it hard to choose values because there might be one value that you think is of equal importance, and I've asked you to try and choose six to ten. You can choose more if you wish. Now, I would begin to put the ones that really resonate you with a circle around them. If you end up with 20 or more, that's no problem. Just circle them to start with. Then once you've circled them, I'd like you to then give the ones that you've circled a score from 1 to 10. 1 being you value it the least, 10 being that you value it the highest. So as an example, you might have health, you value maximum, you give it a 10 score. Love, you might give it a 10 score. Freedom, you might give a score of 8. Family, you might give a score of 10. Financial success, you might give a score of 7. These are just guidance tips for you to help figure out. You have to add the weighting and the value to that yourself. Now, as I mentioned, I went through exactly the same process as I'm explaining to you right now to achieve my 14 values. Let me tell you what they are. My 14 values are health, kindness, humility, empathy, adventure, compassion, respect, reliability, knowledge, love, curiosity, optimism, authenticity, and community. Now, there are many other values that are important to me. One of them, for example, 
is honesty. But I ranked the 14 that I've given you there way over above the others. Notice that I didn't have personal achievement in there that some people would regard as a value. The reason I didn't choose values that are important to me as my core predominant values is because I feel that a lot of things are covered by the ones that I've mentioned. Now, I could give you multiple examples of how I work towards ensuring I live out my core values. Let me give you a few examples. So, health. Now, I'm 53 years of age. I'm probably about a stone, maybe a stone and a half overweight. One of the reasons behind that is the the nature of my work. But what I do is I eat very healthily. I walk four miles most days. I don't smoke. I don't take and never have taken any drugs. And my consumption of alcohol is modest to say the least. As an example, if I had a glass of wine twice a month, that would be going some for me. I'm not a prolific drinker. There are other aspects of my life that focus on nutrition, mindfulness, etc. So every single day, I'm conscious of something that I should be doing to contribute towards my health, both bodily and physically. One of the other values I've talked about is kindness. Now, there are multiple examples of where I demonstrate kindness amongst multiple people every single day. In fact, you know, I'm kind of prefixed on being kind to every person that I come into contact with if it's within my capability. But as a bigger example, I've been a, a director of a children's charity since the year 2013. Over the years, even back to my early 20s, I've been a charity fundraiser for mainly children's charities. I always try and support people. If they ask for help, I'm likely to give it. I do execute random acts of kindness. So, for example, recently someone came in the freezing cold to deliver us some pizzas. We paid for them online. I just felt for this guy out in the freezing cold. The only money that I'd got available was a £20 note. So that's what I gave him. He was shocked. The biggest tip he'd ever been given and probably equivalent to two hours wages for the guy, possibly slightly more. These are these are very basic examples I appreciate that I'm giving, but kindness is a key part of my life. Recently, I set up a Facebook group called The Kindness Project for Chesterfield. So far, we've got around 350 members in that group. The whole idea is people just give support and help. That might be physical, it might be intangible help, such as counselling, and that group is thriving. I'm not going to go through all 14. I will leave my core values in the show notes for people that want to revisit them. So I'm just going to pick on one or two more. Optimism is another one. My cup is definitely half full, as some people will say. You probably all heard the saying half full or half empty. My cup is always full. And I found myself and conditioned myself into being a solution seeker. So if there is a problem, my mind automatically thinks about how I might be able to work as part of a team to solve that problem. I always believe something is possible. I'm not naturally pessimistic or negative. Authenticity is also important to me as well. I'll never forget during the days when I worked for a company called Sendant RCI, part of the Wyndham Group, I was on a flight to the US with a colleague and I was being particularly nice to the air hostess and my colleague, who I won't name, said to me, you're too good to be true. Are you always like this? Are you just doing it for my benefit, like I was trying to impress her? Now, those people that are listening to this who know me may well even comment and say that they've seen me being like that towards people for a lifetime. So I focus on being a good person. 
and I'm consistently focused on that and I'm authentic so I'm not going to be unsincere one of the other values that I could have easily added to my core values was the the value of sincerity you know I think authenticity and sincerity are probably a very similar value so I am the person that people see face to face outside of the home the friend that people deal with the business person that people deal with the person that people see on social media that is the person I am I'm community focused it's another one of my values my view is that you live in a community and you have an opportunity to either play a part in that community or to choose not to. I choose to play a part in my community. So as an example of that, I'm chairman of a community radio station called Elastic FM. I was one of the core founders of Elastic FM some 10 years ago and continue to contribute towards my community for no financial gain through that vehicle. The final one I'm going to share now, you know, just to talk to you about how I live out my values is the one of respect i respect everyone i believe that people in life have all got something unique about them i believe that we all have different responsibilities so within an organization people often think of the of the pyramid and the chief executive being at the top of that pyramid and people below that pyramid being of less importance i actually think about the pyramid as the foundations I think about the pyramid as being the base of the pyramid being what holds the structure up. And as you get to the top, the CEO is the person that calls some of the shots, sets the strategy, and that is important. But without the people to carry out that strategy, then the company is not going to achieve success. So my own strong views are that everybody has the same value and everybody should be respected all of the time. And so I live out that value. And so when people call me, as I'm sure many of you will experience sales calls, people cold calling, often probably breaking GDPR without permission. And if any of them catch me, I tend not to answer phone calls, by the way, from numbers that I don't recognize. But every now and again, these telemarketing companies are getting clever. They're using a mobile phone. And you think, oh, who's that calling me on a mobile phone? Turns out it's a sales company. I'm never rude to the people on the other end of the phone. I always show them respect. They're trying to carry out their work. They're paid to try and sell you something. And I always give them the time of day, if I answer the call, that is. That's another example. I could go on and on and on across my 14 values and how I actually live out those values. That would take two or three podcasts to do. The point that I'm trying to make is that what you set as your core values, there's no point declaring that you have a value of attaching importance to your health if you then do nothing towards living out that focus on that value. There's no point in listing kindness uh, in your values if you don't find it or you can't find it within yourself to be kind to people every day. There's no point in having authenticity if you know that you potentially suffer from being a fake person sometimes. There's no point having community if you don't care about your community, if you are not the sort of person that attaches any value to what goes on in your community and you're not prepared to do anything to contribute to that community, don't have that as a value. Ensure that what you set out as your values are the top 10 to 14 things. And I'm using that number, it could be more than that, but 10 to 14 things that you think of as, wow, that is what I truly believe is, is a core value. 
and I'm demonstrating that every single day through the way I behave. So that's the way I want you to think. Don't forget to download the worksheet that I've referred to from the link in the show notes. It's a completely free download, not trying to sell you anything, that I promise. So the conclusion is, no matter what your top values are, the chances are that from time to time, we all can drift away from our values. Sometimes we attach a value to something that we don't fully live up to. So there might be times in my life, for example, health is an important value for me. There might be times when I, for influencing reasons and factors, that I fall short of my commitment to attaching importance to health. You're a human being. What's important is predominance, what I call predominance. And by predominance, what I mean is that values that you can live most of the time. As an example, I was listening to a podcast from Robin Sharma. Robin Sharma is an author. He's written books books like The 5am Club and The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari and The Leader Without a Title. I've got a lot of time for Robin because he's one of the few personal development coaches, some people would call him a guru out there, that actually adds logic to his work. So he gives you tools and tactics to help you achieve what it is you're trying to achieve. And he was commenting on his 5am Club book, which I've read twice. I love the book. And I'll be honest with you, I thought to myself, this man doesn't get up at 5am every morning. Not every morning. Sometimes he'll have a lie-in. If, for example, you've had a late night, you've gone to bed at you know, 2 o'clock in the morning, which is obviously sometimes impossible to avoid because you've got an active mind, there's no way that someone can consistently survive on a small number of hours worth of sleep. So I was delighted when I was listening to one of his latest uh, podcasts. It's actually a course of his that I downloaded to hear him be very honest and authentic and say that sometimes he does have a lie-in. Sometimes he doesn't get up at 5 a.m. every morning. He referred to the times when he's actually working on something that might be writing a book or creating a course, and that's when he gets up at 5 a.m. That's when he's most vested in following that 5 a.m. club mentality and everything that goes with it. If you haven't read the 5 a.m. club, it's definitely worth reading. But I actually loved the fact that he was honest enough to say, that he doesn't get up at 5am every morning. And by the way, I'm an early riser, and neither do I. In the winter months, I really struggle to get up at 5am because it's dark. In the summer months, I find it a joy. To be up at 5am, to be out walking in the daylight, listening to the birds singing with blue skies, up at 5am and being ready to work, if I need to work, at 9am, having extracted four hours of value from the day. It's magnificent. But for me, you have to live in a country where... You've got daylight in order to do that. I'm more likely to get up at about 6.30 during the winter. So don't be hard on yourself if once you've set your values that you find yourself from time to time drifting away. Remember what I've said. It's a predominant attitude towards your values. The other thing I would strongly recommend you to do is to get your values designed onto a poster and for you to put that poster in a frame, which is what I've done, and for you to carry that around with you so put it in a frame if you've got an office invest in putting your values in a nice frame so print them off put them in put it somewhere visible where other people can see talk to people about your personal values because you will live out your values if you are being observed there's nothing worse than actually stating something and then almost being hypocritical i live out my values because my values I've realized, having gone through the exercise I've explained on this podcast, actually that is the foundation to happiness. 
there are many other aspects of life there are many other attitudes there are many other techniques that also contribute towards you finding and sustaining happiness which is what the podcast is all about and some of the other aspects so go through some of the other podcasts and look at some of the other components of happiness the Thelcom formula, for example, is a memorable formula that concentrates on the ingredients that will give you a great life. They're all still equally important, but what I'm saying is that deciding what your core values are is foundational. And the analogy that I'll close with by saying is, if someone were to build a house on flimsy foundations, that house, when subjected to the wind and the rain and the weather, The foundations would eventually crumble because they're not strong enough to cope and the house would come tumbling down. Now, I believe it's the same with someone's life and someone who's trying to build happiness. The first thing you need to do is to lay strong foundations and those foundations are your core values. My name is David Lilly. I'm the creator of the Thalcom formula and the course called The Ingredients for a Great Life. I'd like to thank you for taking the time for listening to this podcast all about human values your core values if you have enjoyed this podcast please consider giving this a positive review please also share it with other people that you may think would take value from it until next time thank you